This AIM Hometown Innovations podcast is sponsored by Wessler Engineering. A long-standing AIM sponsor, Wessler Engineering specializes in wastewater, drinking water, and stormwater projects. Trusted, client-focused, responsive, and cost-effective, it's how we do business. The partnerships we create are as important as the work we do. With Wessler Engineering, you are more than a project. Welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. This podcast is designed to offer insights, best practices, and innovative solutions for the challenges facing Hoosier cities and towns. Each edition will offer ideas and inspiration while showcasing the talent and commitment of Indiana's local leaders. Enjoy the program. Welcome to the AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. I'm Matt Greller, coming to you live from French Lick at our AIM Ideas Summit. Uh, Happy to have you all with us. This is our 100th episode of the AIM Podcast. Uh, We've got some great uh, guests here with us this afternoon, Uh, past presidents and our current president. Uh, We've got Mayor Dick Hickman from Angola. Mayor, what year were you president of AIM? IAC back then? uh, IAC back then. I was mayor uh, 2014. And apparently did such a lousy job they changed the name of the organization the next year. (laughs) (laughs) But I had a great time doing it. 1914. (laughs) Mayor Joe Tolmer from Warsaw, just president last year, right, Mayor? Well, 2020, but that was uh, the COVID year, a little foggy, so they asked me to come back for another year. Only two-time back-to-back AIM president, at least in my history. Mayor Duke Bennett from Terre Haute. Mayor Bennett? Yeah, I was president in 2015. Um... It's um, it's been a great ride, you know. I really enjoy being a part of AIM and everything that you guys do. Thanks, Mayor. Notice he was the only one that said kind words about us. Be noted later in the podcast, I'm sure. Mayor Winicky from Evansville is also here with us today. Good to be here. 2016. If we're the guest on the 100th episode, don't we all get a free prize? Yes, it'll be in your rooms as soon as we're done here this, this <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> So when you first took office, I think as a you know a newly elected official, I'm not sure you all knew exactly what you were getting yourselves into or, or where you were going. Um, Mayor Lamb, you're our current president, so I'm going to throw this to you first. Uh, I'm the one that brought us out of the pandemic. <laughs> I'm going to throw this question to you. you know, how did you get involved with AIM? Why did you get involved with AIM? And how's the experience been so far? It's been a great experience. Uh, what I've I think everybody at this table understands this, and maybe somebody listening knows that I actually wanted to run for mayor in 1986 when I was six years old. Uh, my grand great-grandfather was Mayor Sullivan from 48 to 52, so I always had an interest, right, in, in my home community, and, of course, uh, just wanted to run for mayor. And then when I got elected mayor, they said, you're getting ready to go to mayor school. And I said, there's a mayor school? I said, yeah, it's a mayor school. At that time, it was the Indiana uh, Association of Cities and Towns. And uh, we didn't really know what to expect and went and had a magnificent time and uh, got a lot of motivation, inspiration from a lot of the veteran mayors. And it's just been a, it's been a great ride. I got elected in 2011, so it had been December of 11 that I went to that, uh, that mayor's school and uh, just had a great time. And I can't say enough. Uh, words can't express how much the organization has genuinely meant to me and the friendships and the, uh, uh, just the camaraderie. 
and uh, whether you're a spouse or a, or a mayor's assistant or a department head that works close, nobody truly understands a mayor like another mayor. Uh, so I appreciate the mayors, but even more importantly, I, I, I love working with the clerk treasurers, the, the town boards, the city councils, because AIM is so much more than, than just the mayors. Well said. Mayor Bennett, how about you? Well, what brought you to the organization? You know, it was, it was quite a blur back in 2007 when I got elected, and then there was a lawsuit filed against me for the Hatch Act, so it was a very strange time. But I got something in the mail inviting me to come to that newly elected officials event, and I thought, well, seems like the only opportunity I'm going to have to figure out how this mayor thing works. And I went to that first event, and I was hooked from that point on. Um, just always felt like um, the information that's shared there. I mean, every year now, I've been doing this for a long time, learn something every event, and kind of going back to what Mayor Lamb said, just that camaraderie, just being around other mayors, not reinventing the wheel on things, being able to share ideas, and there is no other place you can get that other than this group of folks. So it's been, um, it's been really a lot of fun and a lot of opportunity to learn and not spin my wheels on things. And, you know, it's just been it's been great, Mayor Hickman. You you're not running again. You've you've announced that. Um, had you stayed around though, and and with Mayor Brainerd resigning, if you would have won again, you would have been the longest serving mayor in Indiana. I don't know if you've thought about that. I keep trying to get you to to, to run again, or what you would. But uh, you've been involved with the organization really since day one. I can remember you uh, taking office and coming on board, and it remains so. As a past president as well, you want to talk a little bit about your experience? Yeah, when uh, when I came in in 2001, uh, our clerk treasurer, Deb Twitchell, said, you have got to become involved with IAC. I said, oh, yeah? And she said, yeah. And she was real adamant about it. And uh, so I, I came, started coming to meetings, and she was right. Uh, uh, you just don't understand how important the staff is until you're involved in it all the work that's done down here for us that we could not afford as a community uh, to pay for with our, our own people down here. Uh, it's just been a, a great experience. And I was talking earlier, in my previous life, I was an insurance agent, and I went to tons of meetings, tons of meetings. And about half of them I come out going, oh, my gosh, uh, there's two or three hours I'll never get back in my life. <laughs> I have never been to an AIM meeting, but what I got something out of it, whether it was in uh, whether it was something a speaker said or getting together with the mayors and uh, clerk treasurers and whoever and getting ideas. Uh, the best ideas I've had I stole, and I'm not ashamed to say that, and, and the mayors were all very willing to share those so that we don't make the same mistakes as, as they did, and I'm trying to pass that on to, to newer mayors also. You're still doing that today. Before we started the podcast, you talked about some utility issues you're having in Angola. So even though you're not running again, you're still trying to learn and pick up what's what's the best decision for your community. Well, I, I said uh, at one time, I said, when I go out, I want to go out under two circumstances. One is on my own terms, which means I won the last election. And the second <laughs> one is I still want to do the job. I still want, I don't want to be counting the days. So I want to work right up till December 31st of 2022 and uh, or 2023 and and uh, hand it off to the next person. Mayor Winicky, Mayor Talmert, both of you were president when some pretty big things happened with the organization. Mayor Winicky was president when we made the transition from IAC to AIM. 
you were president during COVID, of course, the only two-year president of the organization. Maybe both of you talk about some of those pivotal moments for the organization and how it evolved under under your leadership. And when the decision was made to change the name from IACT to AIM, it was really more than just a rebranding. It was a fundamental shift in how the organization and how elected officials across the state decided to approach matters of public policy at, at higher levels. And that included uh, communicating with policymakers in Indianapolis and around the state, frankly, at, on levels we've never really tried before. And instead of playing defense all the time, we, we started going around the state and talking to key legislative delegations from around Indiana to talk about issues that are important to cities and towns. So yes, it was a name change and people had to get, get used to not saying I act and saying AIM and then trying to figure out that AIM was not an acronym for anything. <laughs> we had to spell it capital A, small I, small M. <laughs> <laughs> But it was also, but I mean, that was what that was a really important piece. But the most important component was really how we approached what we do, and that is, you know, we all face the same kinds of issues; they're just on different scopes. And so, the issues I face uh, are larger than Dix and Angola, but they're the same issues. And so, we need to find solutions, and the solutions frequently come from legislative action in Indianapolis. And so, the idea of going around and having these regional meetings was really a key component to the transition from IAC to AIM. And it was time consuming, but I, I think it was, that effort really, I think, turned the tide. And I think uh, key members of, a, of different administrations and, and legislative leaders saw that we were approaching things differently. And I think it was appreciated. And I think it was really great for the organization. Well, your, your leadership, I was just thinking about it just right now. So we just produced a housing uh, guidebook with the Indiana Realtors Association. That doesn't happen. I don't think if we had didn't have that conversation, you know, back in 15, 16, 17 timeframe, you know, so it's still bearing fruit fruit today for sure. Mayor Tolmer, you had the uh, distinction of uh, being president two years, as we've mentioned a few times now. Uh, during COVID, uh, we had some uh, interesting times together over those uh, those years in your presidency. We'll talk a little bit about it. Sure. It was uh, started out with uh, newly elected officials training in the mayor's boot camp and every big group of, of freshman mayor coming in, over 50, I believe. And um, things were just starting to role for the for the organization as we trying to get the new guys that was what really I felt like I wanted to be a big part of was welcoming welcoming in a, a new class and trying to make them understand how important the organization was and uh, a few months later uh, it happened and uh, boy there was a lot of scrambling going on um, nobody quite knew what to do there was a lot of anxiety there was a lot of angst a ton of uncertainty at all levels of government and uh I think at that point, uh, our, our citizens really looked to their locally elected officials to try and answer, um, answer some questions. What's going on here? And everybody took the podium or the microphone or, or the newspaper and, and did what they felt best to try and, and uh, assure their citizens that, uh, you know, we, we had this and, and we were moving through a really difficult time. Um, we kind of hung on and... and uh, let science hopefully take us where they wanted, um, but then there, there got to be quite a bit of um, uh, disparity in how people thought about how it was being handled. Um, that probably created more uh, more angst than a, a few days of a high fever and can't taste. 
uh, it, it really, uh, that, that was probably the most challenging part of those years and, and probably continue a bit. But for the most part, I, I think the, the second year, you know, we were, we were all thinking when it first happened, oh, September, they're saying we're going to be out of this. Or, well, I remember initially we were hoping to have a 4th of July, and, and of course that never happened. And then it continued on, and, and finally it's like, man, we're going into year two. And uh, I, I think we all felt a little bit better about uh, the way things were heading. But, um, man, it was a roller coaster. And, and uh, you know, the staff, um, you talk about the IAC being rebranded into AIM. I really noticed in those, you know, my, my six, seven years since that, that's happened, the, the difference in the legislatures, the legislator, legislative uh, folks that we deal with, um, they approached us so differently. <laughs> And I really saw that during uh, during COVID, um, everybody was trying to get the same thing done, um, and and I, I felt uh, um, what AIM did um, was was pivotal in supporting uh, local mayors and locally elected officials to try and keep their communities uh, moving moving straight ahead. So we're down here at the uh, AIM Ideas Summit, uh, recording the hundredth episode of the Hometown Innovations Podcast. Uh, the organization's been in existence since 1891, Mayor Lamb. You like to look big picture. You like to look uh, into the future to see where things are headed. Um, maybe the next question, you know, as you're wrapping up your presidency of AIM, what do you see as the two or three biggest issues facing cities and towns over the next good while? Well, I think, I think the biggest issues facing cities and towns is the biggest issues facing our country and facing the people, and that's obviously workforce. That's a, a potential looming recession, uh, economic uncertainty. We had the uncertainty of, uh, of uh, physically during COVID, and now we have some uncertainty in, in, the, in the economies. Well, all those economies uh, affect us locally. So I think navigating our residents, navigating our small businesses through that, encouraging the small businesses to continue to invest, even during tough times, uh, continuing to increase the population of the state of Indiana, and that's going to happen city by city and town by town. We know that, that uh, our workforce, making sure that they have the skills that they need, and uh, maybe most importantly, a place to live, right? Uh, because the common denominator is we all chase population and continue to try to grow our, our uh, local economies and grow our local populations is they got to have a place to make those memories. You know, I always say we can, we can create quality of life places, whether like in the city of Sullivan, it's the Sullivan City Pool or the Central Plaza. We all focus on revitalized downtowns. But a majority of your time, especially with, uh, according to Forbes magazine, what nearly 40 million Americans might be working from home by the end of the year, I'd say the, the highest quality of place is going to be in their yard and in their house. Uh, so uh, broadband, making sure that, you know, I, I stayed the other day, we're fortunate in the city of Sullivan that we're getting ready to have a major broadband expansion. But that is just as imperative today as indoor plumbing was in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. So I think it's just... Uh, this organization uh, to step, you know, uh, alongside all of our elected officials to continue to make sure that we have the resources, the understanding that the tools we need, we're having those conversations with the legislatures and we're putting our money where our mouth is. We're not just talking about a better Indiana. We're not just talking about better cities and towns. We're actually doing something about it. And uh, whether that's uh, residential uh, development in our neighborhoods, trails, all of the things, the you know, the, the zingers, the talking points that, that all put together. But at the end of the day, I think those are going to be uh, the major issues as we lead over the next few years. Mayor Bennett, what about mental health? I know you've spent a lot of time addressing that issue in your community. And, and where do you 
Where does that play into city and town governance? You know, it has a big impact. I just had a meeting today as I came down here, um, listening to all of our providers. We had law enforcement, you know, just everybody was in the room. And it's almost like we're doing things that I didn't even know we were doing, but people are finding ways to kind of fill the need. Um, COVID has really exposed a lot of things when it comes to mental health. There's a lot of folks out there struggling in a lot of different ways. Uh, addictions obviously continues to be a problem. And so, you know, when you look at the quality of life things, when you try to do the things to make your community look good, you have to do that, but you also have to take care of those folks that are there and those that come in. And I really think that in Terre Haute, at least, we're doing some things that made me, I was pretty proud today as I listened to some things that, that I heard, but now we're trying to figure out if the legislature really does put more money on the table, which we're hearing for mental health and addictions, how do we have something in place that we know is going to help people to get on the right path. You know, what happens over and over again is somebody breaks it for a short period and then they're right back on them again, whether they're arrested or just somebody who voluntarily gives up wanting some help. If you don't stick with that, you're just wasting the money. You really are. And so we've got to find ways to sustain that support. So, yeah, I learned a lot when I worked at Hamilton Center in the years before I became mayor. I didn't really know much about mental health and addictions. And learn so much that I can apply today, which is, it just makes it a lot easier for me to have those conversations and figure out how I can be helpful as the city government. Mayor Winicky and Mayor Hickman. Mayor Hickman, you're from Angola, far northeast part of the state. Mayor Winicky, you're from the far southwest part of the state. You have a larger city. Mayor Hickman has a smaller city. What are the issues? I'm guessing you're going to say something similar, but maybe a com quick compare and contrast. What are the top issues you think facing a smaller city and then a larger city. Well, you're right. It's the exact same thing they have talked about. But the other thing that we got to remember is infrastructure. I remember a previous mayor of Auburn talking about when he went into office, he was looking back in the early 1900s at some of the old um, uh, council meeting uh, notes, and they were talking about sewer and water. <laughs> well, we're talking about sewer and water today on top of everything else that uh, has come our way. Our infrastructure is old, and we got to figure out how to uh, uh, keep that running and how we can extend it uh, to, to new residential or industrial areas. So, I'm sitting here listening to all my colleagues, and I'm thinking, wow, I mean, this is, I, I agree with everything that's been said. You know, it's tough to say what the, the number one issue facing a community is because mayors are fa faced with and forced to deal with all kinds of serious issues simultaneously. And uh, some, some folks listening to this might not like what I'm about to say, but you know, at the federal level, we've become accustomed to things not getting done, right? We don't like it, and, and, and sometimes we all joke about it, but that doesn't happen in city government. I mean, we have to deal with infrastructure. In Evansville, we're, we're going to build a new water treatment plant to replace the one that opened in 1897. 1897. Uh, and we're doing uh, a lot of things in the space of mental health. When I took office in 2012, if you told me I'd spend 10 minutes working on mental health, I would have laughed at you. You know, I, I, I probably spend 10 hours a week working on mental health issues now. And like Duga said, I mean, I've, I've, frequently I'm just the convener to make sure everyone's playing in the sandbox in the right, not right way and to break down silos. In our case, we're spending a lot of our ARPA money to create um, 
capital projects so providers can create new programs that are not available in our region, like clinics for uh, adolescents and teens with dual mental health diagnoses that have nowhere to go in an area that's the third largest city in the state. So we're creating, we're partnering with a nonprofit group to create those kinds of opportunities. Um, but, you know, I'm sure I'll get a text before the, our week is out about some, uh, some piece of uh, criminal activity in the city that has put people in fear. And so we deal with that. So it's tough to say what is the one or two top issues because we all you know, we all carry these smartphones around and we get texted or email, you know, 24-7. Someone asked me the other day what it's like being mayor. I said, what's it like 24-7 crisis management? <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's, it's also sort of the exhilaration of this kind of job is trying to find solutions. And that's pulling the people together from the private sector, from the nonprofit world, from faith communities, all to come together to find solutions for all of these really bigger than a breadbasket kind of problems. Right now, I think the biggest issue facing is when's leaf pick up? I mean, it is that time of year because, you Touché. know, yeah, we're working on major multi-million dollar projects, and on my way to French Lick, I get a text from a lady that mm-hmm. attends my church, and the most important thing in her world right now is making sure those leaves got picked up. Yep. She's got several trees in her yard, so. Yeah, boo at the zoo lines were really long <laughs> in Evansville last weekend, and I heard about that at a dinner, too. And that's important. We've got to figure out how to do better at boo at the zoo, so. You know, yes, we have to build a water treatment plant, but we got to get our visitors into the zoo too. With all that stuff, one other thing that hadn't been mentioned is is childcare and early childhood learning is is a big topic in our area right now that we're trying to work. So everything is important. Everything, you know, uh, we got to pace and we got to try to help figure a way out, but we can't always do it. We need a lot of help from our community and our citizens. Mayor Tomer, I, I promised everybody I wouldn't hit too hard, ask too hard a question, but I do have one that's maybe slightly challenging. There's no way I would have stayed in this job as long as I have if politics became a part of our organization. You know, we've done an excellent job, I think, over the years. A lot of people that walk into these meetings have no idea if you're a Republican, a Democrat, or independent, and furthermore, don't care. I have started to see just inklings of it starting to creep into the, the organization a little bit, you know, bringing different philosophies and things. You know, Indiana is one of the few states that has partisan elections at the city or town level. Uh, they're just a, a couple around the country outside of the largest cities. You know, is that something we ought to look at to remove the, the partisan labels and how we, we run for office at the city or town level? It sounds great. Um, I, don't, I don't think you could pull it off. You know, look. I didn't say I would pull it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a coincidence that the two Democrats are sitting on this side of the table and the three Republicans sitting over there. I swear, you, you can't see us well, on the podcast. You got here last. Yeah. You, you could have come over I and sit next to me. With you. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, Matt, you might be right. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I, I look at, at national politics. I look at local politics. Uh, our parties are... are Broad, they're they're getting kind of spread apart. Uh, there's so many ideals and and thoughts that people have that, uh, and I think COVID really exposed a lot of the politics of of street level government, and and here we sit now, we have to deal with those things at, at the local level, and trying to make a decision uh, that doesn't hurt somebody because of the politics becomes more difficult with the way things have gone. Um, I. I I think you have to maintain the two-party system, uh, and and I 
I, I think we can do well. I, I think the bigger thing is I'm thinking about our challenges is trying to find young people that want to get engaged and run. Um, you know, I'm looking at, at everything possible to try and find young people to replace some people on our boards and, and to get to run for council. And, you know, the way we communicate is so different than when we all started out. Um, they're, they're getting, Lloyd, you know, you mentioned the, the phones. Um, they're, getting, they're getting all their news uh, from whatever source they can on their phone. And, and I don't know that people have a realistic idea of, of what we do and what's required to get down to that street level and try and run a community. Uh, that's the most basic form of politics, if you will, uh, is, is trying to keep everybody happy in the city. And it has a whole lot more to do with, like, uh, like we heard, leaf, leaf pick up. Um, when's my snow getting shoveled? Why are you throwing it on my driveway again? <laughs> you know, those things just, that's what being mayor is about. And um, I, while I respect your, um, your thought on that, it was a hard question, but I don't think there's a good answer to that. I just don't think it's possible. We've got to maintain that two-party system. But I totally agree. Um, we don't know who's, who's what when we sit down and start talking about our city issues. Mayor Lamb, you and I just went on a mini tour around the state last week, in fact, and we're going to continue that after we're done here in, in French Lick. What did you see? What were your impressions? We haven't really talked a whole lot about what you thought out on the road. I do it. I feel like I do it often and rarely take another mayor with me. It was a pretty interesting experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what, the reason I wanted to do that so much is because of this organization, because of that first mayor school back, I keep going back to mayor school in 2011. You know, the one-on-one -on -one I had with a lot of the mayors around the state was, I love meeting with you at conference. I love the AIM IDEA Summit. I love the Mayor's Institute. I love the Indiana Conference of Mayors. Um, and I became, I feel like I've become not just a colleagues, but good friends with a lot of these people. So you feel like you kind of know what's going on in their community because you've heard them at the conference or at dinner or in the evening afterwards, the real story of kind of what's going on in their communities. But to be able to go in and talk about it one-on-one, -on -one, I felt like, uh, not that anybody's ever uncomfortable at these events, but I felt like they were very relaxed. And you might see that because I'm sure they get really relaxed with you, Matt, uh, uh, whether it's on the phone or texting. But to be able to sit in their office in their home territory on their turf, in their comfort zone, in their office, uh, to be able to to talk about that. You mentioned, and not to keep getting in the subject, we heard more politics this time around. Yep. I had never heard this much politics ever before, and uh, part of that is because of maybe next year being a municipal election. Part of that is because some mayors aren't running. But I was also, I guess if there's a silver lining, there were uh, mayors of one party that seemed to be okay a potential of another party taking their seat without going into a lot of detail. I heard a little bit of that. Of course, they probably wanted their party to follow suit, but I think they were okay. And I think the, the silver lining is that there's a lot of uh, cities that the mayor really truly feels like if, as long as they're in good hands, we don't care if they're a D hand or an R hand. Yep. So, so that's a positive, but uh, yeah, it was just, it was uh, to, to see their, and not just what it did for me, I think it, we talk about mental health, and if you remember, uh, Mayor Kathy Gross just recently put together a, an Indiana Conference of Mayors where we all kind of got on, and I loved what Mayor Snow at Richmond said. Um, he said when he was going through an issue and the council was dealing with his police officers and dealing with city personnel, looked at him and said, 
so who hugs the mayor? So, in a way, actually, I think I did almost hug everybody when I went in. You did. Nope. Yeah, but uh, but I, I felt like, and, and I got a lot of text messages that, that even that hour, just sitting there letting them talk and you going to them, I think it just uh, maybe showed some importance because every city is important, and it's unfortunate. As great as the staff is, uh, we just can't get everywhere all the time. We try to have these regional programs. We try to get us close to home as we possibly can, but I loved it. Um, I didn't like trying to catch up for it <laughs> back and then being gone this week, but uh, I'm looking forward to doing it again because I hope they got as much out of it as I did. It's more important now that they all react to Mayor Lance. <laughs> it was mixed. It was mixed. <laughs> mixed mixed reviews. Mayor Bennett, you're you're from a city that has traditionally been run by a party that's not yours. Mm-hmm. You're either the longest serving or the nearest longest serving Republican mayor in Terre Haute. How have you navigated that situation? So that's a great question. Uh, I was the first Republican in 40 years, and then to be reelected a second term, it would have been 90 years. I'm the only three and four term yeah. Republican mayor. Um, it always Vigo County is a bellwether county nationwide, and we pick the president. Whoever we vote for for president wins all but twice in the history of presidential elections. But they've always voted, so they'll vote for Republicans for governor, for president, you know, but never locally until back in 2007 when they elected, or 2006, I guess, was the first position. And now when you look at it today, the Republicans have almost every seat, every major seat um, in Vigo County. So it's a complete shift in just 15 years, I guess, 16 years. I think it's really... People in our area were looking just at the candidate. They really weren't looking at the party that much. We had good candidates on the Republican side. We hadn't had that in a long time. And then once you get in there and you do okay, they want you to come back. But what I'm kind of what I get for me is, you know, I'll have Republicans telling me that I'm a Democrat, you know, because I'm wanting to spend money and do quality of life projects and spend money on infrastructure. It's just funny how. You know, you, you try to do what's right and be in the middle of the road, but you get criticized from both sides for either not doing enough or you're doing too much. And so when that politics, that's why I've never been a political person. I, every four years, you know, you do your thing. But to me, it's just like I'm just being the mayor, and I'm going to continue to do that and try to treat everybody equally. And hopefully at the end of that process, they'll want me to come back again. I'm glad you answered it that way. I've, I've heard more people – talk about this recently than I that I care to admit and oftentimes the most Democrat mayor is the most physically conservative mayor that I've run across and vice versa so that's just a, a great point I think of how it doesn't matter it at doesn't the city matter. level you get the job done once you're in office mm-hmm. all right a couple of you uh, have decided to, to hang it up you're not going to run again I won't say it out loud in case you don't want to make mention of it on, on the podcast um for those of you that are willing, though, what's the piece of advice you would leave to the, the next mayor, the first thing you would tell him or her that comes into office? First thing I would tell them would be to join AIM. Uh, Thank you. That, that's, where <laughs> that's where they're going to get their best training uh, and meet the best mayors in the country. Uh, like you said, DNR doesn't mean anything, and you'll probably be in there two or three years before you figure that out, that uh, who's what, and then you're then you won't care. Um, but that'd be the first thing I would say. Join AIM, pay attention, um, use them as much as you can. And uh, 
that will help your life uh, be a lot better in the mayor's office. I think some of the advice I'd offer a successor would be uh, to listen to the people who elected you. Because you may come into office with a very definitive view. But after the election, didn't everybody <laughs> vote for you? Well, right? yeah, you do, you do have that, yeah. Uh, but you, you may enter office thinking you're going to do things one way, and then all of a sudden you really start talking to people and hearing from people, and you're going like, yeah, maybe I should vacillate. Maybe I should change a little bit. But you know, during the course of a campaign, if you're successful, you earn political capital. And you know, we all like surpluses, but surpluses don't do us any good unless we invest that. So I, I would offer the same piece of advice that I was given when I came into office uh, by my predecessor, and that is don't be afraid to spend political capital. Uh, you can build it back up. Um, yes, we, will, we, we need money. We need to invest money on quality of life projects because if cities don't invest in themselves, the state, you know, why should the state or why should the federal government, why should the private sector? Uh, we have to be the leaders in making investment in our own communities, but uh, you have to do so, you know, in, in measured ways, but uh, you know, be bold and, and remember that people elected you and they believe that you can, you can do the job. And don't be afraid to spend, don't, don't sit on your hands and don't do stuff. Can we give that an aim, men? <laughs> oh, very, how long have you been thinking about that? Did, did you come up with that at the pre-meeting? <laughs> All right, last question. We'll keep it light. We'll uh, we'll fire around the table, rapid fire style. Um, what's the one thing either nobody or a few people only know about you and your community that you're willing to share on the podcast? The hundredth episode of the podcast, I might add. I'll start. <laughs> Uh, probably some people in my community, but few people listening to this would probably know that in my car, almost all the time I listen to the Broadway network so I can, it's my decompression and de-stressing tool in the car. I sing and conduct. I did know that actually. Who's next? Well, I, I kind of do the same thing to decompress only it's not classical music. It's junk TV. So I, I, I like junk TV and been uh, recently been turned on to TikTok as well. So I <laughs> spent a little time uh, just seeing what's out there, right? All the cool kids are doing TikTok. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to step away uh, and, and try to see the big picture because you're so focused every day on getting a project done, getting a project done. And then you get that done and a project needs to be done. Another project needs to be done. And you don't step back. Take a look at what you've accomplished and the people around you that accomplished. And, and uh, I would, I guess, uh, kind of go with that right now. Mayor Bennett, what's something nobody knows about you in Terre Haute? Man, I don't know. They kind of know everything now. That's, it's kind of scary when you think about it. Um, you know, I like to wind down with sports, and, you know, it, I, I've always – Played sports. I've always been involved in it. I officiated for 30 years, too. And I just, that's kind of my escape valve. A lot of people know I've, I've done that, but still today, you know, you got to have something to balance the life thing out. And I guess the other thing I would say is, and I haven't really told the public this a lot, but um, 
spend more time with my wife and my grandkids now than I've ever done. Of all my years I've been doing this, I kind of was over there doing that mayor thing. Like you said, it's 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 twenty four seven. It's it is what it is. But I just kind of decided. I've I've seen a lot of things happen over the years. A lot of tragedy. A lot of you know just things bad things that have happened that make you think that you got to enjoy your life too. You can still be the mayor, but don't give up on you know spending time with your family. So I just kind of sneak every opportunity where I didn't do that in the past. Final, final word is yours, Gosh. Mayor Lamb. Gosh, I don't know. You know, kind of like what Mayor Bennett was saying. I, I feel like, I feel like I'm a very personable person, and especially being in a small community. And I think that's why our administration has been successful because we are so intimately involved. Uh, we, it's not just a political uh, phrase or whatever that we put people over politics, but we really do. Uh, we know those people. We we've cried with those people. I, I laugh with people. I celebrate with people, and uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I love being the mayor. I love the city, but um, I genuinely love each individual, even if they absolutely hate me. Right, that, why you had hundreds of kids lined up for trick-or-treating at your house last night. Yeah, I mean, it's it's part of it, and it's very expensive, but it's worth it. You save up all year, and you do it. So I think maybe uh, – I think everybody in my community knows I love Sullivan in general, and I love the city, but I think my true heart and compassion – probably inspired from uh, my grandparents with foster kids. You talk about bringing total strangers with all kinds of issues and, and, and problems. And I remember walking into their home and sitting, every time you went to grandpa's house, there was another kid on the couch you just, that just appeared. And, and uh, so I don't know, maybe that, just uh, how, how genuinely um, the empathy that you have for the people of your community, I guess. But other than that, because I'm that way, I think pretty much everybody knows everything from my style of music to, to my dance moves to, to everything else. I, I am what, what you see on television, what you see on social media. You might see it on my front porch if you drive by. <laughs> I'll never forget the text I got from you recently that said, look what I did on the evening news this morning, or the evening news this from this the morning. The morning, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was pretty good. Michael Jackson kick move. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Angola Mayor Dick Hickman, Sullivan Mayor Clint Lamb, Warsaw Mayor Joe Tomer, Duke Bennett from Terre Haute, Lloyd Winicky from Evansville, thanks for joining us at the uh, AIM Idea Summit for the 100th episode of the Hometown Innovations Podcast. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you. This AIM Hometown Innovations podcast was sponsored by Wessler Engineering.